to the Friends for the Journey podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Gabriel-Jones. Looking back on the time I've shared with these Friends for the Journey, I count myself blessed to have spent this time with you. As with so many parts of our sojourns through life, we encounter people who leave indelible, lasting impressions on our hearts in our minds, and in our lives. As we move into and through 2021, I've been reflecting on the conversations that I've shared with these friends for the journey and some of the wisdom that we've heard along the way. So I thought that it might be really cool to take the chance to hear from some of these friends all together, allowing their respective wisdom to weave together in our experience. Today, we'll hear some meaningful words from Dr. Reverend Skip Irby, Dr. Roberta Damon, and Pastor Abby Lynn Haskell, each of whom shine a little light on our paths as we try to find our way through this new landscape in which we find ourselves. Because even though we still find ourselves in the grip of this global COVID-19 pandemic, we're still going to have to figure out how to make our way. So it's important for us to know and be reminded that we're not alone, that we have friends for the journey. So no matter when you listen to this episode, no matter what your road might be like, no matter what trials and joys await you, I pray that you get to have a friend for the journey. Personally, I'm so grateful that you have been mine. Okay, let's get to the show. We have made it through 2020. I think it's fair to say that 2020 was a year none of us expected and never imagined we would face. There was a lot of upheaval in 2020, like a fast-moving boat going through a still, calm lake. The events of 2020 left many of us tumbling in the wake of so many challenges and heartaches, feeling topsy-turvy in the face of so much unknown. Because when we make the choice to engage in a transition, whether it's moving from one home to another, choosing to leave one job to begin working at a different job, Preparing for the arrival of a child in our lives, or some other transition that we consciously choose to engage, we can prepare ourselves for a certain level of upheaval. Now, we might be surprised by aspects of the upheaval. We might be taken off guard by unexpected events during that upheaval, but we still made the choice to engage in that transition. Now, making that choice doesn't lessen the pain of being blindsided by upheaval when something goes wrong, but at least we entered into that chapter of transition by choice. Not so much 
with 2020. But depending on our own journey, some of us may not be so very unfamiliar to upheaval. Some of us might be very, very familiar with grief, loss, completely unexpected transitions that blindside us and leave us wondering which way is up. And I don't mean just in the form of a global pandemic. Pastor Skip Irby brought his experience and his insight to a conversation we had about the COVID-19 pandemic. Yes, there was a lot of upheaval in 2020. And yet Pastor Skip reminds us that upheaval isn't completely unfamiliar to some folks. It's just how we name it. Well, and some of it for me is, is trying to figure out how to ride out the storm. Uh, and part of it for me is seeing the impact of some of this on colleagues and families and church members. Uh, we had a session about a month ago at the church that we did via Zoom talking early on about grief and loss and the symptoms that you may be experiencing now are very similar to having gone through a loss of something because you have lost your routine, your what's what you order your life around. And um, so that's still going on. But as we see nationally now, as well as in some local areas, there, there are people for whom they don't have the same anxiety about the storm. Yeah. And there are different positions to take about whether that's wise or not. But at the same time, it's it's like we, we can deal with the preparation for a while, but when it's steady and constant, that's different and that wears on us. And I'm trying to let people know that's normal, mm. that if you're experiencing that, it, it's not because something's wrong with you. It's just that something's wrong with the world around us right now. Oh, that's so beautiful and important to have that resonance right now is not normal and how oddly counterintuitive and simultaneously comforting that if people feel worn out and exhausted and confused that's okay because it's normal yeah in this particular abnormal surreal unprecedented time what we are feeling is surreal and unprecedented. I often have told people in, in terms of personal grief through a death, that what they're probably feeling is terribly normal. It feels terrible, but it's normal. Oh, wow. Because of loss. We're in a time of transition. And then that also reminds me that we're always in a time of transition. Yeah. This is just very noticeable yeah. that we're in. Yeah. shared a gem of wisdom that she gained along her journey. That gem is this. Hope can change. It seems so simple, these three small words. And yet, 
three little words can completely change our lives. They can also completely change our experience. Whether it's in the darkest of moments or in the warmest sunrise, change happens in our lives. And we have to figure out how to live through it and how to live with it. Abby shares a heartfelt and prayerful story about a time when she did just that. In this experience of the stories that you've told and the experiences that you've had, how has hope unfolded in your life and changed in your experience? Yeah, I remember um, learning in chaplaincy, our chaplain who was teaching us, our instructor, Dr. Reverend Rex Garrett. And I was mm, 23, 24 at the time when I did it. And it was very powerful. And it, I can still see him sitting there saying it. He says, he just said, hope can change. And so that was very powerful for me in even understanding it in my life that hope has a fluid aspect. Hope has a way of being made new. And part of that trust and obey is to trust that a hope comes about that maybe no one anticipated before. So wow. it was wow. very, very helpful last week. Oh, it was a killer week for us. There was a lot of tears. There was a lot of talk. My husband's brother, his his boy, Eric, dove into the water a million times. But that particular time, he dove in sideways jump, um, and he broke his neck. He <gasps> took him 10 minutes before they could even get him out of the water, 20 minutes of CPR, uh, had the life flight into the hospital. Um, so all last week, we kept getting these reports about Eric. And, you know, first one is if he makes it through, he'll be paralyzed from the neck down. We're still looking. We're thinking there's some brain waves. He's, his oxygen, he's still not exchanging oxygen. So it was, it was a daily, like, this is Eric. This is Eric. What's going on? This is, and it's, he's a vibrant boy. The whole, you know, the request going out, um, praying for a miracle, praying for a miracle, praying for a miracle. And the, the courage to say, yep, this is my family asking for a miracle. This is my family asking. And to, to put the hope in the miracle. Yeah. And then to get the little pieces of news. Um, you know, they've, they've done an MRI. There's brain activity. They're going to do another one. Another MRI. Okay, one neurologist is saying that there's not enough activity, that this brain damage is so severe he won't be able to open his eyes. They want a second opinion. Pray for a miracle. Pray for a miracle. Second opinion. And um, the other neurologist said, nope. Wow. Uh, same, same opinion. And so last week, the story that came to mind for myself um, was that one of Jesus coming home to Capernaum and we're getting out and the crowd started coming to his house. And the crowds are so thick, they couldn't even get in the front door. Yeah. But there they came. And they came bringing a paralyzed man on the mat. Hmm. They started sending us pictures. Eric's friends at 29 were so grief-stricken. They set up tents in the parking lot of a hospital. And you see all these young adults just packed in, which was so good for my husband's brother yeah. and family. Um, and they all waited their five minutes just to go in and to be with them, to you know talk to them. Wow. 
So I kept having that image of, you know, the friends that brought this paralyzed man, horrible carrying on a man, and it was so crowded. Yeah. Couldn't even get in the door. So when they, they go up on the roof, they do the outrageous. They go up on the roof, dig a hole in the roof, they lower this man down. And Jesus, I can see me, he looks up and he sees their faith. And it's on their faith that Jesus looks at this man and says, son, whose sins are forgiven. Wow. Based on the friend's faith. And that sets everybody in a tizzy. So this whole story is living me yeah. with me in this week. You know, here's the paralyzed man, here's the friends. And I needed this story. I kept reading it and I kept living into it, um, the images and um, what hit me uh, in particular. And it was by Thursday. And it was still so beautiful to hear it. Mom of the matriarch, uh, Bob's mom was there and just said, Eric's giving us time to say goodbye. Mm. Just wait here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I didn't preach on this, but what came to me by, the, by Saturday, by Saturday night, was when Jesus had spoken this, you know, your sins are forgiven. It kicked off the religious leaders saying right there, oh, you can't do that. That's blasphemous. This is just God who can do this. Yeah. And Jesus and his spirit heard them. And he said, what is easier to say to this man? Your sins are forgiven or pick up your mat and walk. So Jesus lays out the impossible and then proceeds to do the impossible. He says, so you know, just so you know. <laughs> he talks to me, I say to you, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And for me, I heard that and I looked at it again. I said, go home. He didn't say pick up your mat and walk. He said, go home. Wow. So what I heard in that was hope changing that Eric at 29, honey, is time to go home. Yeah. This is the hope. It's yeah. time to go home. Yeah. And for the realization that we as a family need to, you know, release him mm-hmm. to go home, mm-hmm. you know, um, changes the miracle. What's the miracle? Yeah. God's got you. Yeah. It's time to go home. So that's the power wow. of hope changing and how I cling to a story. You know, give me the hope here. Give me the hope. He's not going to come. He's not going to take up his mat and walk. Yeah. But he's going to be released. He's going to be freed to go home. Yeah. To go home. So. Yeah. That's. um, Wow. That's the gift of where um, I feel very blessed, very thankful for the story that can come and heal and bless with hope. And what a gift and an opportunity for this unfolding of the experience of hope, that it becomes this, as you said, hope grows, it changes. And this is mine. Yeah. I told my husband, because I can share it with him, and he wanted to share it with his mom. I said, just, I I said, you're welcome to. I said, I'm not there yet, because that's their journey. I don't want to impose my hope, Mm -hmm. because that would sound, to some ears, absolutely heinous. So I'd never want to assume that my hope belongs to someone else, but to believe so deeply in the fact that hope changes. So cling to that. Keep on with the relationship. Keep on with that crazy trust and obedience I'm still wrestling with. <laughs> that, uh, that there is hope. That's the thing. I just yeah. so that that's just my little story. So I but I believe.
experience comes wisdom. At least, that's something we can all hope for as we make our way along our journey. As one of the original clinicians involved in the Ministering to Ministers wellness retreats, Roberta recalls harrowing stories of forced termination experienced by clergy and their families. Each one of us, regardless of our journey through life, can each understand and even relate to pain, betrayal, anger, grief, sorrow, doubt, and everything else that comes along when unexpected transition and trauma happens. Sometimes, it all becomes a burden that is just too heavy for a person to bear. Oftentimes, pastors and those who work in service to others often feel that they have to carry that burden alone. People are people. And all people need to be reminded sometimes that we're not alone on our journey, especially at moments when the road seems long and dark. Within this context of pain and resilience, ministering to ministers, it was really born out of Charles's pain mm. and the recognition that he was not the only person who suffered this wounding. Absolutely. And it's so interesting because anybody who has been through a forced termination will tell you that very likely there will be what we call the gang of three. Mm. Uh, they're they're not elected by anybody. They're not appointed by anybody. They are self-appointed, but it is up to them to tell the pastor or the other clergy, whoever that might be, that it's time for them to move on, mm. that the church has not grown as it should have under their uh, care, yep. and uh, the, you know, uh, funds are down, uh, membership is not uh, robust, and mm -hmm. so it's all your fault, and you've got to get out of here. Yeah. And we have had the most Gosh, awful stories. Uh, we hear them from one, one of the pastors said that he had his family in the car and he got a call and they said, um, we, you cannot get back into the parsonage. Wow. We've locked you out. <gasps> and uh, he called Charles and Charles told him to call our lawyer. Mm -hmm. And uh, the lawyer said, do you have a tire iron in your car? <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said, yeah. He said, break in. Wow. Break in. I'll be most happy to defend you if you wow. get arrested. So, I mean, it, we're talking ugly. Yeah. We're talking ugly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yes, resilience is, is needed. But I tell you, there's a, there's a little um, thing that I used to do during wellness retreats. And I, I recall upon several occasions just asking everybody to sit quietly while I work with one person. And I remember a man who's just shattered, you know. Mm. I said... Um, I want you to stand on the side of the road and I want you to I want you to picture Jesus coming down the road toward you mm -hmm. with that heavy well, crossbar on his back. He had been uh, beaten and mm -hmm. he the crown of thorns had been put on his head and so forth and so forth. And and just as Jesus comes to just stand in front of you he falls under the heavy load, and your first tendency is to want to go and rush and, and help him up, but don't do that. 
what I want you to do is take all of your pain and your sorrow and your agony and your anger and your whatever else you're carrying along, put it in a bundle, walk out there and put that heavy burden on his back and stand back and watch him struggle under the weight of it and watch him walk away. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And you've got to remember that he's God and you're not. Mm-hmm. And you can't carry this anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just amazing. Just amazing. Mm. doubt about it. The pandemic loomed large in our lives throughout 2020 and well into 2021. As with every momentous upheaval, we are left having to figure out how to carry on from day to day, how to move forward in our lives. And if we wish for our lives to have meaning, then we need to know what really matters to us and what we will carry with us on our journey as we carry on from day to day. Skip Irby asked three challenging questions in the context of the pandemic. Now, these questions matter not only because of this unprecedented pandemic. These questions matter because they provide a framework for the rest of our lives. No matter what upheaval we experience in the future, imagine asking these three questions in that context. Whatever that upheaval and transition might be, Knowing what matters can help ground us in our lives so we can stand firm against whatever blows through. Because something else is going to blow through. That's just the nature of life. That even though there might be winds that blow hard, there are still those soft breezes that give us a little bit of peace. Both are true. And that's part of why these three questions are so valuable. Another thing, just to to make sure I did want to mention that I've kind of a, a quick summary I've suggested to people was something I learned early on in all this. Uh, to help get the reflection going without it being overly deep and heavy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But to ask people to think about in this time of pandemic, what has the pandemic taken from you? Mm. Think of that, list it, verbalize it. That's kind of the lament piece connected with the Psalms. And then the next question would be, what, in this pandemic has not been taken from you. Oh, wow. What do you still have that's that's important and that means something? Yeah. And that's kind of the self-awareness piece. Yeah. That you don't just focus on what you've lost, but 
And then the last one is kind of the gratitude piece of what has this pandemic given you? And and for some people, it's given them some more time to slow down and reflect. Uh, Not everybody, but it's it's at least a question worth asking for people to think about what what good has come of this from for you and all that. So that idea of lament and, and self-awareness and gratitude are, you know, three things I think that can help. They've helped me answer those questions yeah. so that my evening prayers are not just for my, my family to stay healthy, but just gratitude that they're my family. Yeah. And uh, just to, to share some of that as well. Wow. journey of leadership and ministry, there are times we are lifted up to very high highs, and other times we are brought down to very low lows. Sometimes this happens because of a change or an event in our lives. Other times, these experiences relate directly to interactions with other people, parishioners, church leaders, co-workers, colleagues, people we encounter along the way, and anything in between. Somewhere along her journey, Abby received some encouragement from a friend. Abby took it in, made it her own, and with care and grace, she shares it with us here. An amazing thing in ministry is how much in the leadership role you can be lifted way too high and on the flip side, (laughs) squashed really low and be at fault. (laughs) uh, I would love to um, have told myself, I think a survival skill that I learned, um, and I can tell it was a spiritual leader. She came in to do a talk with another uh, leader in the congregation who really wanted to explore different avenues of faith. And so she spoke, her background was as a medium. So she worked regularly with people speaking in spiritual ways to ones who had passed or healing things like this. And it was fascinating because she gave me a very practical piece of working with people that I wish I had heard early on. So when I start to feel that someone is wanting of my soul's energy in ways that start to deplete me, you know, there are incidences, there are these personality makeups, there are these positions that sometimes as a leader, people want, and they really want to take what you have. And I was too new in ministry to not get this, but she spoke and it stuck with me that when she starts to feel that she surrounds herself that herself in the white light and that person in a white light. And for me, how it's translated is when I start to feel someone digging in the, the claws, that they're wanting something 
of me that it will mm. that is taking on my life's breath you know that's taking of a depletion mm. that i have that now as a call to prayer oh. that this is not me i have nothing that that will fix that hurt i have i don't have anything that will repair that wound but god does yeah. so instantly to surround them and in that protective white light that heals them as I listen mm. and surrounds me. It doesn't remove myself from that work of listening with empathy and love, mm. but what keeps intact for me is a significant amount of my spiritual energy wow. so that I can walk away from those positions, whether it's intense anger <laughs> and I've had that, I've had that like yep. at least, you know, a handful of times right before worship, I'll have someone who come in and just blast, yeah. you know, tears and everything. And I'm supposed to go, you know, and lead worship with a whole wholeness and calmness. Oh, but luckily yeah. I have that in my pouch to be able to connect with them in a ways that has God nurturing them and not me. So that I wish I could tell to my younger self saying, you do not have to kill yourself in ministry. That's not for you to do. That is God's work to do. And here's how you can tap into it. And I still tap into it. I'll start to feel it in a phone call or a personal confrontation, you know, be it anger, be it hostility, be it um, tears, be it grief or uh, blah, 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 blah. All those things being manipulated, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that it's, uh, they're wanting something more than I could ever offer. It's God's to fix. And so I will do my small part and God will do the rest. So that's been a huge lifesaver (laughs) in this work. (laughs) Wow. matter how you slice it, none of us make it through our journey without being wounded. In the mosaic of human experience, pain is universal. Pain has no denomination, no allegiance, no party loyalty. It just happens in our lives. Yet when we aspire to care for and minister to others, we might entertain a certitude that God will smooth your path in your service and your ministry. Roberta says, hogwash. But even though pain might be a universal experience, Roberta reminds us that we are not alone. Even in the midst of it all, we are not alone. You are not alone. Ministering to ministers holds this certain place of providing care for those who have been wounded in their call. In full disclosure, I have been all over the theological map in my life, and so many of our listeners really span the waterfront. Mm. And Through the trajectory of our world and how it has changed, certainly in the last 10 years with media and the 24-hour news cycle, 
there can be a a stereotype or assumption about church and ministry and ministers. Hmm. And one of the aspects that I cherish so much about the work that ministering to ministers does is the recognition that pain has no denomination. Oh, absolutely. There is no ice cube trays of pain. We might create this ice cube tray of different faiths that are divided by different walls, but pain is the water that overcasts everything. You are absolutely right, Catherine. And by the way, MTM has, you know, Charles Chandler happened to be a Baptist pastor, but uh, we have reached out to, I don't know how many denominations, uh, but various and sundry. And inevitably, at the wellness retreats, there would be a cross-section mm-hmm. of, of denominations, which I always loved, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I hated that everybody had been wounded, but <laughs> but it, it's sort of, no, you know, none of us is impervious to this. None mm-hmm. of us is uh, we we don't get home scot free just because we think God called us into ministry and He's going to protect us. Oh, that is so true. You know, so patience and fortitude. <laughs> well, and that really calls out that question. We we could even call it a myth that when we step into a call, whether that call is in ministry or in healthcare or in some service for our fellow human beings, that call in some way lifts us above the suffering and pain that occurs in human interaction. Yes, unfortunately, yeah. we have this, you know, some of us had our heads in the, well, actually, you know, if God calls you when you're a very young person, um, you do step into that with this uh, certitude that mm-hmm. God is going to just smooth your path and all <laughs> will be well. And of course, yeah. that's just hogwash. Thank you for listening to the Friends for the Journey podcast. It's been great to be with you today. If you like what you've heard, please leave a review on iTunes so others can discover that they have friends for the journey as well. And whether this is your first visit with us or you're a longtime friend, welcome. We are glad you're here with us. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. The Friends for the Journey podcast is dedicated to everyone who helps others along their way. Think of your journey that you've taken this past week. All the people who have helped ease your path and all of those whom you've helped as well. That happens, that help happens in unexpected ways. Sometimes in ways we least expect it. But each moment matters. You help so many people along their own journey, and this podcast is dedicated to each of you. I'm your host, Catherine Gabriel-Jones. Thank you so much for joining us along this journey. I'm going to let the music play you into the rest of your day. Enjoy the song as you make your way along your own journey. Take care. Bye-bye.